Welcome to the Manx Theatre Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Manx Theatre Podcast with me, Neil Cowan. Today we reach another minor landmark as we bring you episode number 20. Thank you to everyone who's listened to our previous episodes. If you're brand new to the podcast, welcome along and thanks for joining us. In this podcast, we like to try and keep you up to date with what's going on in the theatre on the Isle of Man and chat to the cast and creatives of upcoming shows to find out a little bit more about the shows and the people behind them. You can still listen to all of our previous episodes through all the usual podcast outlets and at manxradio.com forward slash podcasts. While you're there, make sure to subscribe, give us a like, rate and leave a little review and share with all your friends as that helps us move up the podcast charts. You can also keep up to date with what's going on by following Manx Theatre Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Manx Theatre Pod on Twitter. Coming up on this week's podcast, I chat with Manx-born professional actor Tony Eccles about his theatrical beginnings and his move to acting on the screen. In the last episode, we'd just entered a three-week circuit breaker lockdown, which thankfully did the job and we got out and back to normal pretty quickly. Unfortunately, due to a new outbreak, we find ourselves back in another three-week lockdown. This, once again, is likely to have implications for upcoming productions, with dates most likely to change for the Christine Wilde Theatre School's production of The Wizard of Oz. At the point of recording, I believe the dates for Hello Little People's production of The Twits, Douglas Choral Union's production of Shrek the Musical, and the Manx Operatic Society's A Night at the Musicals remain unchanged. Sadly, Madfa have taken the decision to cancel their Festival of One Act plays and also the Young Actor of Man competition this year. Hopefully this lockdown will be as successful as the last and we get back to normal very soon and don't see any more theatrical casualties. Right then, without any further ado, but maybe one small disclaimer to say that this chat was recorded before we went into lockdown, let's dim the house lights and raise the curtain on my conversation with Tony Eccles. You're listening to the Manx Theatre Podcast. I'm joined on the podcast today by Manx-born professional actor Tony Eccles. Tony, welcome to the Manx Theatre Podcast. Thank you, Neil. It's a pleasure to be here. Tony. How you doing, mate? Yeah, very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, it's been it's been a while, hasn't it? It's it's been a long while. Yeah, it has years, in fact. Yeah, I mean, well, you've you've been off there over the other side of the water, going off and doing all that professional stuff, and well, trying. Here we are, still sat on the rock. Uh, yeah, it's it's. I tell you what, it's nice to be home though. Yeah. It's, oh yeah, it's you miss it, and then. You think you, you miss it a little bit and then you come home and then you realise how much you miss it. Yeah. Just the pace of life, how beautiful it is, the people, just everything. Family, of course. No, Should have no. said them first. Um, <laughs> going to get it in the neck now for that. But, of course, you 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 miss just life here. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I suppose being back here as well, it's, I mean, at the moment, it's still fairly normal life. Whereas, where were you based in the UK? I was in London. Right. For most of my time. I was in Chester for a little while, but I've been in, spent, spent the last 10, 11 years in London, and that is not great right now. No, no. There are there are many places other than London that I would like to be right now. Here is one of them. <laughs> so what were you doing then when, when lockdown struck then that forced you and obviously inevitably eventually to come back home? 
So I, annoyingly, I was coming off a really good year as a professional. I had done loads of work, good stuff. Money was coming in. I said, oh, yeah, okay, let's let's use this. Let's kind of use this momentum. Let's hope next year is going to springboard. And then, you know, come March, rumors of this yeah. thing started out. And then, yeah. And so in true out-of-work actor fashion, I was working in a bar. I was working in a pub. Uh-huh. It's the life. And so I was on furlough for a little bit. And then I moved out of London just because – Everything was so expensive and it wasn't really, nothing was happening. So yeah. there's no real point in being there. And then eventually moved back over here. I moved back over here in start of December. Right. And right. I've been here ever since. Yeah. So looking at your, your little professional CV here, you, you had quite a lot of things in 2019, didn't you? Yeah. Annoyingly so. <laughs> what was the highlight then of 2019 for you? Uh, um, there's two, two highlights uh-huh. for me. One was filming a couple of days on Coronation Street. That was an experience. Just the scale of the machine yeah, and the kind of, I don't know, mythology that is Coronation Street, to be on Corrie, you know. Um, so that was fantastic, you know, to go up, get the casting, meet um, Jeannie, the, di- the casting director, and kind of go through the process of it and um, then eventually film it was an experience it was it was really really great but my other one was i filmed see i'm a big lord of the rings fan big lord of the rings fan like geek lord of the rings fan and geek level yeah big time and i am um, i did a scene in a kind of feature documentary with john reese davies who plays gimli yeah. and it obviously has a lot of manx connections as well and i did a scene with him and that was like just a kid in a candy shop all day on the set in military uniform. And it was just kind of like, you're Gimli, you're, you're Gimli. You were in Indiana Jones as well. Just going, <laughs> oh, and, and he's such a lovely guy. He's honestly, he's the one of the nicest actors I've ever met on set. Couldn't do enough for you talking in between takes and chatting and kind of discussing stuff and helping out and, very complimentary guy so that was kind of like oh he's saying nice things about me that's kind of fanboy tony great. screaming inside oh 100 percent, 100 so that was that was a great experience as well so those were really my my two best moments of that year i suppose as well that probably with coronation street as well because they're turning out was it three episodes a week it must be a heck of a machine just just well it's now it's now six episodes. Six? Wow. Because they do, I could be wrong here, yeah. but they do two on a Monday, yeah. two, on a Tuesday, two on a Wednesday and two on a Friday, I think. Right. So because they do an episode and then there's the news and then there's another episode later on. Just go show how long it's been since I've watched Corey. Yeah. And so, and I'll be honest, I was the same. I hadn't watched it in like years. So when I got the casting, I was like, oh, kind of need to do some research because I don't want to go up there and not know anything. And, you know, yeah, Mavis is still in it, isn't she? So, I, Yeah. And I was just, I don't want to be the guy who they say something to. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. So I did the research and my scene was in a courtroom scene. It was really cool with quite a, a lot of regulars in it. And so when I got the script through with my name watermarked across it, so if it did leak out anywhere, they know who leaked yeah. it. So that's always like pressure. Don't tell anyone that what's going to happen. 
and I, it was a courtroom scene, and I was reading through it, and I was like, oh, because they, they send you the whole script, yeah. which a lot of times they don't do. They usually just send you your sides. But I was like, oh, great, I'm gonna. Not that I know Corey, so I was flicking through, going, oh, this is gonna happen to this person. That's cool. Yeah. It's just nice to know, not that anyone else knows. So um, I did all the research, and, I was, and then I went up to the casting, and I was like, oh, you know, talking away, and I'd watched some kind of last week's episodes. So I was like, oh, so it, the courtroom scene is about this thing, and they were like. No, 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 that, that, that finishes like months ago because right. obviously they're shooting so far in advance because it's being churned out. They were like, oh, no, there's a whole other storyline where this happens. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, okay. So, yeah, it was it's a very different experience than I've ever had on a set or as an actor before because there's no real creative time. Yeah. You just shoot it and go. And then you do. We did one shot. For a rehearsal, which they filmed, and then I had my take, and that was it. Wow. And you go, wait, look, no air. Oh, would you like me to try it? And okay, moving on. Can I just, can I just try that again? Oh, I think I, I think I blinked in that. Oh well, <laughs> never mind. Or whatever. Or whatever. Moving on. Yeah. So long as you say your words right, don't mind. Yeah. Moving on. Wowzers. And that's it. I mean, it's funny that you know you've you've been in. Coronation Street now, because I think when we first met was on a Man in Shorts run acting workshop for the screen with Coronation Street legend Lee Portman, who played nasty Jez Quigley. Yeah, it's weird how that comes around. But he, Lee, helped me massively, massively. So I'd done a couple of workshops with him. And then when I moved over to London to pursue it kind of professionally, he couldn't have been a great help right. kind of messaging me, emailing me, talking, thinking kind of, Oh, have you, have you done this? Have you tried this? You know, just all sorts of different things. And those workshops actually were the, I would say the kind of the spark that made me want to go into that side of the profession more than anything else. Yeah. Cause obviously you get taught theater, you get mm. everyone, you know, who is in performing arts has done theater, Saturday, Saturday morning schools or school theater or you know, the, the choral union or whatever it is, you, you, you learn how to do theatre and you learn how to do musical theatre. And then suddenly they stick a camera in front of you and it's, okay, I, was, that, was that good? Was that bad? Was, I, I, you, don't, yeah. you don't know what the parameters are for it. So, it's, it's a different kettle of fish, isn't it? Oh, it's just a different world. And I really enjoyed it. I was like, what is this? This is interesting. And like, through those, those Men in Shorts workshops with... David Armstrong, uh, Christy DeHaven, and all the guys there. And then obviously with Leslie Manning, the director who came across, and mm. she was again lovely. Did I'm still in contact to this day, still like still pinging emails back and forth. Oh, brilliant. Um, same with Lee. And they, they couldn't have helped me enough. And they were so warm and welcoming and full of advice and little tidbits in trying to make a career of it. Yeah. So they've been great and then when i went down to london was jobbing around did a few little bits and bobs here and there and i was like this is if this is what you want to do if this is the side of the industry you want to do you got to go learn it yeah you can't just kind of pick it up because you know cast things don't happen and every software a one-off workshop isn't going to learn you that side of the business if that's what you want to do so i i went and i um, auditioned to go to drama school to do a master's in specifically in screen acting and I got into drama centre of London and then did that for a couple of years got my master's degree 
which is great. And then you go, oh, it's in acting. And then people go, ah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you got to make you feel clever. You got a master's degree. And then you say, it's actually in screen acting. And then it's like, oh, mm. oh okay. You cast points. You cast points though. Yeah, yeah. Loads of them. Loads of them. And then that then taught me the business side. That then taught me the professional way of being an actor yeah. in the weird, in the weirdest kind of way. Um, but you know, I mean, you know, Paul Bettany says that acting is like sex. And if you do it, it's fine. It's embarrassing to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> it's doing it is normal, yeah. but Talking about it is where it's embarrassing, and it's the that's very pretentious, doesn't it? Yeah, and you're going, oh, it was a drama school, and, and it's all like, oh yeah, but it's just what. But it was great, yeah, and it was it, honestly the course was fantastic, and the school is amazing, and it really did set me up for the profession, so to speak. So before the drama centre, though, you did a degree in performing arts at the Hammond School of Performing Arts. I did, I did, and that all came via Balakami. Right, okay. Would you believe it? So, little story. I was doing bits at Balakami. I I wasn't ever the kind of performer. Yeah. I wasn't known as the the actor or the performer. Or I was into my sport. I was into athletics. I was into all sorts of different sports. And then I kind of, luckily, there was a very wonderful nucleus of talent at Balakamine at that time. So you had your Olivia O'Shea, mm. you had Claire Fitzgerald, mm. you had David Dawson, mm. you had, I'm going to forget them, Ian Dixon. Yes. You had a great, unbelievable talent and passion for the performing arts there. And through that, so I was in Claire and Olivia's year at school mm -hmm. and David and Ian were a couple of years above me, but they were all in the school shows and it was all... Uh, you kind of got into it via that. And I did a few yeah. top drama for GCSE. And that's what kind of got me into it. Kind of go, oh, these guys are great. Oh, you know, this is fun. This, and that's how it came about. And, and then one day, Adrienne Burnett called me to her office. And I was like, oh, no, what have I done? I know, it couldn't have been. She had teacher then, or was she still just the drama teacher? She was. I know she, she was head teacher. Right. And I was, a bit, I was a bit like, oh, have I forgot my homework? Or has this teacher said that I was late or whatever, whatever it may be. And she went, have you got your, have you got your PE kit in? I was like, why is the head teacher asking me if I've got my PE kit in? I was like, no, I don't. I don't have PE today. She was like, there's a workshop going on at the studio theatre from a performing arts college from Chester. And they're doing a show here. And they're doing a workshop here today with the students. Call your mom, get her to drop your kit off. And I was like, hey, this is this will get me out of classes. This is love <laughs> that. Love that. I get to dance around for a bit, have a bit of fun for an hour. That'll take me out of maths or whatever. Yeah, I'm in. Double maths or a drama workshop. <laughs> Absolutely. Much rather be doing that. So I called my mum. I was like, Mom, no, Mrs. Burnett has said you need to do this. She was like, well, I'm, she was at work. And I was like, Mom, seriously, Adrian, you know, the head teacher has said you need to go home and get my PE kit and bring it in. So she twisted her arm, bless her. And so she dropped it off. I went and there and, you know, did the whole thing. And they offered me a full scholarship. Wow. Yeah. Life-changing moment. Wow. Right there. So that's, that's where it all started then, really, is it? That was it. And it was this weird, just, a, you know, they say that your life can change in a day. And then that catapulted me to going, oh, okay, this, this could be something that I, I want to do. Yeah. 
I didn't realize I could do it as a job back then. It was fun and kind of enjoying it with, with friends that I had. That really kind of opened my eyes to it. And within that whole thing, it was just, I'm not the most academic person in the world. I throw that out there right now. Not really a star student kind of thing. And so I spoke about it with my parents and I spoke about it with, with teachers at the school. And I was like, well, the regular route would be to do my A-levels because I was 16 at the time. So I was last year doing my GCSEs. And I was like, okay, get my GCSEs done. Hopefully scratch enough that I can do sixth form. Hopefully do well enough that I can go to a good uni or drama school. Yeah. And then that's that's the route. And I was like, yeah, but it's a lot of studying mm. and a lot of research. Like, this place has just offered me it now. And it's like, I'm, I'm a doer. I don't like to sit and read and uh, I'd like to get up and just do it. Yeah. So I was a bit like, well, this, this school is offering me nine till 6.30 days every day, not going in and doing like a one hour lecture here, there and everywhere. Yeah. I was like, I'd much rather go and do it and kind of just throw myself in the deep end and learn as much as I can. And so I went, look, unfortunately, there was something, there was some weird thing about the scholarship that I couldn't get it because I was overseas and the fees were different. So luckily, the Isleman government stepped in and paid the grant when I, I think there's still a thing. But at the time, it was like, yeah. yeah, you should be more generous than it is now. Yeah, they were they were very generous. Let me just put it out there. I, I, I think a couple of years after that, they changed it. So I kind of was at the right time. Um, yeah. And that enabled my parents and me to afford to go and it was just a life-changing experience and I'm so glad I chose it wouldn't ever change it for the world so what kind of what kind of dates are we talking about here so 2000 and... so this was 2005 is when right. they came over so I was yeah I was 16 yeah 2005 so did you do that as a levels then at Hammond so I did a theatre study a level right at Hammond right. along so that was an that was weird because that was an optional thing yeah. and I was like well surely everyone's going to be doing theatre studies yeah. like this we're, at, we're performing art school here guys theatre studies is kind of but theatre studies was more acting and a lot of kind of musical theatre people not that they're not actors yeah. but they wanted to focus more on the more singing and dancing side of it whereas I was always more on the acting singing yeah Oh, I'll do it. I'll do dance because I have to, but yeah, more that side. And then I, I ended up falling in love with dance at the same time. So it was all it all it all worked itself yeah. out. So and then that was in here we go. That was an NVQ level six in performing arts. Marvelous. Which I don't know what that I don't really know what that means. But we did that, and we also did loads of side things as well. So I did like a B tech in arts management, and like I said, did my A level in theatre studies and. Yeah, they were great. Brilliant. Just soaked it up. So 2005 then, Candles. That would have been your last year at Balcomine then, was it? Candles. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. that Emma was... and I went to see that. It was about um, it's about miners, wasn't it, in Laxey? It was written by Chris Mabry. Yes. The wonderful Chris Mabry, who, again, can I just say, he was I had him as a drama teacher for a couple of years at Bala, and he was awesome. Like, can't tell you how much he also helped me fall in love with it so shout out to chris because great and yes that was in 2005 and it was about the manx miner mining disaster mm. don't ask me the year goodness way back and yeah it was this kind of 
it's up there with the kind of the Summerland disaster mm. of disasters that have happened on the Isle of Man as kind of pinning the disaster board. I don't know, tragedies that have happened over here. So the, that was a really, really big one. You know, hundreds, I want to say hundreds, I might be wrong, hundreds of miners died uh, where uh, there was a pit collapse. And so Chris Mabry and uh, Nicholas Roberts went, hey, you know what this disaster needs? A musical. <laughs> but like every disaster, it needs a musical. Hey, whack a song in there. Titanic on a boat, the disaster needs a musical. Laxy mining disaster needs a musical. With a tap number. No, there was no tap numbers, don't worry. Um, <laughs> no, but it was a wonderful... It was, honestly, as a, as a kid, again, another kind of step along the way, I, I fell in love with acting there. Because I got a monologue. Yeah. And it was my first monologue. Mm. And I was like, oh, this is like just me talking. <laughs> as selfish as that is, I'm like, wait. Everyone's looking at me. Wait, I'm the only one talking for like two pages. Okay, yeah, that sounds fun. And then at the end, I get I got spat in the face by um, the lovely Rhianne Evans, who wouldn't Oops. ever say boo to a goose, spat <laughs> right in the face. Now, I, I think there was a weird... I don't know how we got away with it, but actually spat in my face. You couldn't do it now. No. But at the time, I was like, yeah, just spit in my face. It's acting. We want it to have an effect. Yeah, it's good for it. So every night, oh, I got a lovely gob in the eye from Rianne. <laughs> Marvelous. <laughs> as lovely as that sounds. So is that, is that your first role that you ever played then? So when you sent me the, the questionnaire, honestly, couldn't remember half of them. Like, I was like, wait, what, yeah. what was, was that? And I had to go back and had to ask my mom. I was like, wait, when did I do that? Was this after this? And I've got the DVDs of some of the performances. And I got them out and I was like, well, that was in 2009. And that was in 2009. But which one was first? And when was that? And I can't yeah. remember I even did that. Oh, oh wow. So um, we worked out that my first role as any kind of live acting on a stage not like in a classroom was a thing called raw talent which was a show at the gaiety by the the youth service Uh over here and they had kind of like they had a band and they had musicians magicians sorry musicians and a band slides to the band in magicians and dance acts and all sorts of theatrical talenty stuff and yeah i think they call it the next big thing these days yeah something like that it's exactly like that yeah um and but it was called raw talent and it was right. organized by alex brindley and that's where oh, I, right. I met alex i've been able to shake him since no don't worry i love that. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna hate me i love alex love him love him to pieces because he was again someone else who really helped me along because I, I genuinely didn't know anything. Yeah. Because we're not a theatrical family. So luckily, I had all these wonderful people who kind of helped me along the way. And that's always been a testament to the island because 90% of them are from here or have links to here. Yeah. And they, if it wasn't for any of these people, I wouldn't have done the cool stuff that I've done. So big, big thank you to all them. So, yeah, that's when I met Alex. And me, David Ogle, who is a fantastic dancer. I think he's still in London. He was doing all sorts. Yeah. And Hayley, so bad I can't remember her surname. She, she's a journalist. She's a journalist in London now. She's doing, again, 
cool stuff. Right. That's really going to annoy me that I don't know his name. Um, we were the compares. Right. So we would come out and do kind of SNL-esque sketches right. and scenes and kind of bits to usher on the next act. But we, it was just so much fun because <laughs> we got all the laughs. Yeah. We got all the laughs. And I'd never been kind of on, a, on the gaiety before. Yeah. So it was like, there's a huge void as you know, the, the darkness. Yeah. And you and you hear this, you feel this roll of laughter coming down from the gods, down the circle, up the stalls, and it hits you in the chest. And as I can't remember how old I was. I must have been 14, 13. And when that hit you, I was like, what is this drug? And <laughs> I need now to get a laugh on every line because I need this to happen again. Yeah. Um, and that was that was it. Yeah. I was hooked. I had a I had a play we were doing and it was a farce. And it's like when you're rehearsing a farce, you just forget how funny it is. And then mid-performance one day, one of my best mates was in and he's got this really distinct low cackle. And he just suddenly laughed at a line that I forgot was really funny. And then in the back of my head, they're going, He's gonna like this one. He's gonna like this one. And you just hear farces are great. But like you said, you forget how funny they are because of how like perfect they have to be they're so drummed into you with everything and so technical and the beats and the timing of everything and the choreography that goes into all the fight stuff and the slapstickness and everything and then because that's drummed into you it's only when you get in front of an audience you go oh yeah this is hilarious oh yeah and you suddenly it takes off takes a whole new life Yeah. yeah i love that stuff If you're interested in local musicians and artists, check out our sister podcast, Supergroup, where Neil King talks to Manx songwriters and musicians as they set up their fantasy supergroup. You're listening to the Manx Theatre Podcast. So over the years then, what's been the the favourite role that you've done so far, screen or stage? Role? See, this is, when I was going through your your questionnaire, I was was always thinking theatre. Yeah. Well, this is the the theatre podcast. Well, yes. Of course. But also... Most roles that are TV and film are new roles. You don't kind of, unless you're reshooting something or redoing something, yeah, yeah. you don't kind of, they're not like the classic, well, this is this role and yeah. this is this role. So I, I kind of thought more theatrically yeah. about it, if that makes sense. Favourite role I've ever played would be Leo Frank in the Jason Robert Brown musical Parade. Oh, wow. Just still to this day, I can't really listen to some of the songs because yeah. I'll just burst into tears. Oh wow! It's it's if you haven't seen it, if you haven't listened to it, get on Spotify, listen to the whole thing. It's wonderful. And for those of you who don't know the storyline, it's a true story written about Leo Frank, who is a New York Jew living in the Deep South in Atlanta, um, who owns a pencil factory and he is accused of the rape and murder of a young girl and is essentially kind of put on trial and with there being little to no evidence that he did it and a lot of contradicting evidence mm-hmm. because he it was not from there and because he was Jewish mm-hmm. he was persecuted by a, an entire city mm. and it's basically his his struggle of going through this trial where he knows he's innocent and the whole world or his world 
wanting him to be put to death, hanged, lynched, whatever. Yeah. And only him and his wife kind of knowing that, but also the doubt that crept into her mind going through it and going, well, you could have done it. And, and it's just one man's kind of struggle. And it's some of the songs like in the courtroom, he has his kind of his testimony and which is a song and it's gorgeous. And it's, you've got the people who've lost their, their friend, their school friend and the hatred they feel rightfully so, but put to an innocent man, but because he's, he's been arrested oh, he must be guilty. And it really does kind of make you look at how we view the law and with our, naturally our emotions get involved, but then are, are they right to be involved? Because we don't know. You know, you... I, I mean, like you're saying there, but with his wife's suspicions as well, you know, when there's enough people saying that something has happened, then, you know, then there's those seeds of doubts begin to be get sown, don't they? Of course. The whole world or your world Atlanta is telling you that this guy did it and he's in prison and he's got trial where everyone's going to vote that he's going to be guilty. Why would you believe he isn't? Yeah. When the the rest, when everyone's saying, no, he did it, he did it. And then there's the kind of the loneliness of him just sitting there in a prison cell kind of waiting, yeah. going, well, why doesn't, why is no one listening to me? And then when he goes to finally goes to trial and goes to court, he's, talking to the judge and saying how can you believe that i would do that look like look at me i'm i'm okay i'm a little bit cold and i'm a little bit standoffish and that's just who i am but i'm in a city where i'm not from here and everyone's the same and i'm a bit different and i you know believe a different religion i'm from a different city i'm from the north and the south that's a whole thing and you you're just you're not believing that me this human being would do something as horrible as murder and rape a little um, a th- like 13 year old girl. And it's, it's horrific, but as a musical, as a show, unbelievable. Yeah. And I was lucky enough to get the part and that was my graduation show. Right. That was the, like, the show in our graduation. And that was my kind of oh, moment. Yeah. And yeah, it was it's, tough. It was a tough slot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it, oh, it is. It, listen to the music, yeah. listen to it. Cause the music will get you. Yeah alone and you don't even kind of follow the story it's just yeah do it so moving on then what would be your dream role what would you like what would be the part that you would know less to play now this could be theater or it can be on screen as well you know there's there's lots of mcu marvel films coming up there's lots of openings for new characters hey i mean there's loads of new spider-men coming out so you know (laughs) happily take one of them just redo it again reboot it again (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, Tom. <laughs> so I would, I would say. How about stage to begin with? Then is there is there anything? Yeah, no, we'll we'll go, we'll we'll, we'll stay stage and we'll do it for because this this role makes sense for a couple of reasons. First of all, I would say most people when I was growing up was like, oh, that's that's going to be you in 10, 15, 20 years. That's that's your character, yeah. so to speak. And also, it coincides with it's my mom's favorite musical. Mm-hmm. So I think the dream role would be to play that role for her right, yeah. as well as right. for me, you know, cause it's, it's about everything, you know, it's not just about, Oh, I'd really want to play that role. Cause he has a great song. Yeah. I think that would just be a really kind of lovely life moment to be like, I'm playing a role in my mom's favorite musical that everyone kind of said, I'm that guy. Anyway, I think it would just be a really kind of lovely moment. 
And that is Cosmo oh. in Singing in the Rain. Fantastic. Donald O'Connor. Yeah. And I love to tap as well. So it's like, hey, perfect. Great. Ticks all the boxes. Yeah. And make them laugh is great. Oh, it is fantastic. How's your, your back flipping and your running at walls? Um, that, that, that takes work. <laughs> It's more like it's more like the guy from um have you ever seen the movie Full Monty, Monty? Yes. Where he's like, Hey, you remember that? Yeah. I can do that. And then he always like <laughs> that's more my that's more the dream role in that aspect. <laughs> but yeah, love to do that. And Moses Supposes oh. is one of the greatest numbers in musical theatre history. It is just any some there'll be times where I'm just sat I was in my flat in London or here, I'll just go, oh, I don't really go, especially in lockdown. I was like, oh, how do I cheer myself up? Okay, let's put on Moses Supposes. Let's watch the Nicholas Brothers in stormy weather. Mm-hmm. And let's just kind of watch awesomeness. And yeah. Just enjoy. Yeah, just sit back and go, oh, I feel better now. Yeah. Okay, this is a slightly trickier one. Yeah, so that. This is a slightly trickier one then. Uh, which part is the part that you were born to play? Or are we going to go back to Cosmo Brown again? Yeah, probably. I don't, I don't know. This one stumped Yeah, me. I mean, this, this is the one we often say, like, this is the part that's either the most like you or the part that you think you could literally just step in and play tomorrow, like the closest to your, your character. Then I, I pro- I'd probably go Cosmo. Then. Yeah. I'd probably say Cosmo. Okay. Um, For all of the reasons above. Well, what I'll do is I'll change that and I'll, you can do maybe do some fancy editing here where, you, where I answer Cosmo in the, for this question and my, my answer for the other question of the part I've, the dream role or the role that I've always wanted to play, I would say would be um, slightly going off piece from musical theatre, but still, still in the theatre sphere, yeah. um, I would say John Proctor in The Crucible. Ah, yes. Is, is a role. That's a role. That's a, that's a meaty like, role, that one, isn't it? That is. I love that everything about that and you know that this that scene where he has to lie but tell the truth and he's got that the whole thing is just ah oh, yeah that's it let's do that yeah that would be great okay so over the years then with the shows and films and things you've done there's obviously there's there's productions there of, of differing differing budget maybe and different time periods as well so there's this different sort of levels across all spectrum yeah all spectrum so what are the best and or worst costumes that you've ever had to wear there's been some good ones Mm -hmm. not gonna lie i don't i don't know what most men have obsession with but you always want to put on a military uniform Mm, yeah like there's something very smart and regal about this military uniform and so when i when I did the Silent Night, the Song for the World movie thing with John, that was, I had a really good military uniform on. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. <laughs> Just with like all the kind of regalia and the medals and the, the shiny buttons. And I was like, look at me, I'm in the military, like cool hat. I was like, this is cool. I never got to wear the hat and the jacket, but we had it in wardrobe. Yeah. Cause they wanted to kind of see what it would look like. And then they were like, yeah, but, and then I just ended up wearing like um, braces and a shirt yeah. and a tie. Which was also cool because it looked cool. But I'm going to go back to I did a work a week's workshop at Breton Hall, which was an old not not around anymore. It was a performing arts school in Leeds, mm-hmm. and I won that when I young when I won the Young Actor of Man. I was going to ask you had you been in Young Actor of Man? 
I was in it one year and it was the last year before I left yeah. and I won it. And I was like, okay, great. That's, that saves a lot of heartache. And, but, oh, it was, it was a good year. Oh, I sh- like to this day, I'm like, how did I win that? Cause that was, there was tough competition. Um, loads of like Olivia, Claire, John Walker. There was loads of really, really good actors in it. It was John Walker. Sorry. Names are bad. But uh, I know that was like, I remember watching it and going, oh, they're all really good. Yeah. And luckily, luckily somehow I won it. And that was kind of cool because it was the last one I could be in as yeah, well. Yeah. So I was a bit like, a bit of like a, a smash and grab kind of like, I've never been in it before and now I've won it. Bye. Uh, <laughs> so, and luckily that paid for, yeah. And then get all kind of tied in because then I was going to go to Hammond in mm-hmm. September. And in the summer, I got this week's workshop and it was like this cool kind of thing of going, right, test the waters of how you fare being the, the tender age of 60 of going to England yeah. by yourself doing musical theatre for a week and seeing if that's the experience that you will want to do for the next three years. And perfect taster. Yes, it was It was perfect. It was lined up perfect. And I chose a, a really good one because you get to choose which kind of ones you want to do and because they give you a certain amount of money to go towards it and they give you like, like a magazine of all these different cool workshops around the country and summer schools. So I chose this one and met some really, really nice people. And we did a show that then eventually worked its way over here i never thought it would i because i was a bit like what that's a weird show it's a it is a weird show because it's a bit of a bygone era show and that is underneath the arches yes and so we did underneath the arches so we would had a week of rehearsals and then we put it on and i got bud flanagan wow so that was again i mean it's weird to have a 16 year old bud flanagan because (laughs) you know and you'll know tony hawk's playing I was in it. Yes, you were. Yes, you were. Yeah. So you know it very well. And also, yeah, yeah. shout out Tony Hawks and Jackie Hawks. Those two, again, Jackie was my coach for Young Actual Band. She was my acting teacher. And Tony has been has been a, a family friend, a friend of my dad's for years and was always wonderfully complimentary and helpful. And so again, another, another shout out. I'm just, you know, just screw the questions. I'll just shout. I'll just name drop loads of people and thank them because you when you come back you don't get that you you realize how many people have helped you and then you kind of go i want to yeah, yeah you don't have the opportunity to kind of tell much tell people how much they you appreciate it so i hope they all listen i'm gonna have to do them next. Me too. yeah yeah well yeah obviously you. <laughs> um, they definitely should um so yeah it was weird playing a bud flanagan but one of the numbers is in complete drag mm-hmm. and it that costume if you've never seen the show, is unbelievable. It's a full panto pantomime date. Um, sorry, what would you call it? It was because it's the main guy. But they drag. were, yeah, they were men playing women and playing the principal boy roles. Dra- yeah, I said yeah. There yeah. you go. So they were kind of dragged up as principal boys. Men yeah. playing women, playing young boys in panto. Yes. It's a weird one. I'm going to be like, it's a weird one. Yeah. So you please Google it or to have some sort of reference point on it. But it's, it was a, that lovely kind of piratey nautical uniform, loads of lapels, obviously glitter, yeah. glamorous and full wig, full slap, tights, heels, the whole nine yards. And as I'm getting flashbacks. Yeah. Now, now <laughs> imagine it as a 16 year old boy. Who is going? It's so wrong. Going, I know. So I, wrong. I was like, you know, I've known these people a week, and I'm here, and it was just 
it was hilarious, <laughs> but it was just one of these. Hey, it was an experience. But as a costume, you look back and you go, that was a hell of a costume. That was great. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously the big fur jacket that he used to wear and the, the hat, the thatch, wicker, wicker hat that he had. Obviously, like a straw hat. Straw hat. Yeah. Obviously, again, made for a man. I was 16. So it was a bit oversized. Looked like I robbed my mum's fur coat out of the out of the cupboard. But again, <laughs> wonderful costumes. Wonderful. Yeah, marvellous. Okay, one of the final questions then, and this is often a tricky one. This is our gender swap question. Mm-hmm. So which role would you most like to play of the opposite gender? This is where this is where we have a conversation about where the disparity of good female roles in musical theatre. Well, yes. Because I have, I've asked other people going, if you could play a female role in musical theatre, who'd you, and they were like, what? Uh, you know, because we as men get all the good parts. I know, and as well, and I, way back on the, the very first episode when Neil King interviewed me, mm-hmm. he asked me the same question. I'm like, I really don't know, because I, mean, I go to the shows and quite often, I'm watching all the different male parts, looking for the songs and the parts that I would like to play. And I tend to not pay too much attention to the female parts. But Even if you did, would there be roles that you use? And it's weird because you, you talk about your dream role and you when you go to the theatre, you go, oh, that's a good song. I'll add that to the rep. And you, you naturally yeah. go, oh, that's a good monologue. Yeah, I'll, I'll buy, the, buy the text on the way out from the bookshop or whatever it is. And is it, is it sexist that we never looked at a female role? and go oh that's a good role or are there not really those female roles or is it us is it them is it so i kind of went well i've spent an hour thinking about this and so i'm gonna i'm gonna put that to one side and i'm gonna go with a play okay is that a cop out maybe no no not at all i'm gonna go with hedda garbler in Ah. play hedda garbler by hendrik because that is a role yeah that is a role and it's very intricate. I, I I like the style of it. I like her because she's this. Um, it's set in like late eighteen hundreds, and she's married to this scholar who is boring. She's a boring wife, and she was once this kind of free spirit at parties, and then she obviously married well, and now he's boring, and it's all a bit drab. And so yeah. she kind of manipulates these other suitors and she has like this old flame gun. She manipulates him and she's manipulating everyone. And then suddenly she ties herself in a bit, in a few too many knots and she can't really escape that. And that doesn't work anymore. And she backs herself into a corner and I won't say anymore in case you haven't watched it or read it or been in it. So, yeah. But that's a, it's a really good role that is female gender so i'll i will i'll take that neil perfect that's brilliant that's great (laughs) we're nearly done but one one before we go last year at the end of the first lockdown here in the isle of man Mm -hmm. we set up a spotify playlist so neil king and myself we each put 10 songs in so these were songs that either we songs we'd sung on stage we've performed we've played the role the songs that we love or that they've got a real they mean something to us. So so we put 10 each in because, you know, who wants a playlist with two songs? And then since then, each person that's been on the, the podcast has added another song onto the playlist. So okay. uh, entries that we've had so far, we had Emma Callan chose the West Side Story Overture. Nice. Perry O'Day 
chose Being Alive from Company. Oh, yeah. And that's now a female role. Or it was played yes. by a female on the West End. Bobby. So. Just yeah, like yeah. that. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> they always think about the best things afterwards, don't you? But that's a great... That's Oh, so we've gone to Sondheim so far. We're two for two on Sondheim. Uh, Michelle Chambers, Joe's Beautiful from Beautiful, the mm-hmm. Carol King story. Yes. Uh, Chloe Shimon chose Tight Connection to My Heart from Girl from the North Country. Uh, Ethany McGee chose the I Love You song from the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. Great, great show. Joe Hillard chose Me in the Sky from Come From Away. And on the last episode, Lewis Kelly chose Waving Through a Window from Dear Evan Hansen. So they've done well. Some great songs there, aren't they? They've done really well. So, Tony Eccles, what's your entry? I thought about this. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to do, I wanted to be like, okay, let's, there's no classical stuff on there, Mm -hmm. apart from West Side Story. I was like, like, Rogers and Hammerstein, Lerner and Lowe, or all these wonderful kind of, wonderful, I mean, Boublon Schomburg, and oh yeah, there's so much. And then I decided to go with someone who's only written two musicals in his life. (laughs) And I went away from it and I went personal. And this song, whenever you play it, I blubber and it's so nostalgic and it's wonderfully written. And I am going to choose When I Grow Up from Matilda. Oh, I love it. I I just think the lyrics, first of all, the show itself is awesome. Tim Minchin, as as a comedian already thought he was a genius and then he wrote that and I went to see it and the perks of working in London I was working front of house at the Cambridge Theatre and I got to see the original cast wow. um, so I got to see Bertie Cavill as the Trunchbull and I, I know some of the cast who were in it and it was such a good show I can't tell you how great it was massive Tim Minchin fan over here but did you get to meet the man himself no I, ha- I have met him but yeah. not then not through Matilda Connections. Great, great, great. Yeah. And then if you didn't get to see it, he did Groundhog Day, the musical as well. Yes. I love the music from Groundhog Day. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful I was show. so annoyed because it was on at the Old Vic and it didn't get a transfer. And I was like, why has it not got transfer? Come on, guys. Like Matilda is still going. It's still running. So move it. Anyway, they did, unfortunately. Um, but to the song, When I Grow Up, it's nostalgic it makes every adult go straight back to that childhood thing of what i'm what i want to be when i grow up what i want to do when i grow up whether it's fight the monsters under your bed or stay up late or whatever and it's just yeah and my parents can do that and that's what i see them so that's what i want to be and i want to do that and you just kind of sit there and you love that i love that kind of childlike innocence of it and again the lyrics are genius and it's got swings. Who doesn't want? Yeah. Who doesn't want a song with with kids playing on swings during it? So again, Brilliant. so innocent, so simple, and it's just oh yeah, could sit there and watch it all day. Brilliant. Well, Tony, thank you very much. It's been wonderful catching up with you, and um, we wish you all the best of luck for twenty twenty one, and hope you get to back work thank sooner you. rather than later. Well. I'm I've, I'm staying over for a little bit because I'm I'm doing a show on the island. Oh, ah, oh, you slipped that one in. I'm gonna drop. What's that then? I'm gonna drop it. He's about to drop it. Um, <laughs> well, then. So I'm I'm gonna be in Parker and Snell's to kill a mockingbird at the Gaiety. All oh, right, okay. So I'm really looking forward to that. So when's that? So that is 
Oh, you're pushing me for dates now. That is, he gets, I'm, yeah, excuse the awkward science. I'm literally getting my calendar up on my phone because I've got it in there. It is the 27th to the 29th of May. So four performances. There's a matinee on the 29th. Um, so Thursday to Saturday. And at the Gaiety. At the Gaiety. Right. The wonderful Gaiety. Back at it. after. So well, many maybe we can have a chat with you and the cast closer to the time. I will give them a kick in and get them on. Marvellous. No problem at all. Tony, thank you very much. Thank you so and much, we'll Neil. speak to you again soon. Looking forward to it. Cheers out. Bye-bye. Bye. You're listening to the Manx Theatre Podcast. And with that, we bring episode 20 to a close. Thanks once again to Tony for joining us on the podcast. It was great to catch up after, after such a long time. Well, all being well, over the next few episodes, I'll hopefully be catching up with Chloe and Michelle from Hello Little People and finding out about the twits and what they've been up to since last September when we last spoke on the podcast. We'll hopefully also be chatting to the Manx Ops about their show A Night at the Musicals and to some of the cast and crew of DCU's production of Shrek the Musical. Remember to like and follow our social media pages to get notifications of upcoming episodes and events. Don't forget to check out our Spotify playlist by searching Spotify for Manx Theatre Podcast. If you have any events that you'd like us to talk about or promote on a future episode, you can contact me through our social media accounts or by email to manxtheatrepodcast at gmail.com. All that remains is for me to say thanks for listening and I hope you join us again next time on the Manx Theatre Podcast. I've been Neil Callan. See you again soon. The Manx Theatre Podcast. Taking a look behind the scenes of Manx Theatre. An actor's life for me.